My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Welcome into Paramedics Unscripted. I'm your co-host Jason here with my co-host Bobby for season two, episode number seven. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Hey, man, I'm a little traumatized right now. <laughs> go on with your bad stuff. I want to hear about it. Let's go. Well, it's it's pretty serious. Um, I don't want to scare anybody, but uh, I'm very affected. You know, I say affected, I mean very affected by the shit that went down at the Oscars the other night. Oh, yeah, it's on everybody's mind right now. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. That was some crazy, stupid shit, in my opinion. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. At first, <laughs> I got to say this. First of all, I don't understand for the life. First of all, I'm still tripped out that people still watch the fucking Oscars. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, and I think I, I mentioned something about this on social media. But when it comes to the Oscars, it's like, Think about it for a second. Why are you wasting three plus hours of your life? Or actually, on primetime TV, it's probably only two hours now. But why are you why are you wasting that much time of your life for overpaid celebrities that basically just want to pat each other on the ass, jerk each other off, and give each other an award? Yeah. I, I just I don't get it. I mean, that being said, I love Chris Rock. I think he's hilarious. Um, and as you and I were talking about before, I part of me. Even though it's been confirmed, part of me still wonders if that was rigged or if it was legit. Well, I think you answered your own question in the beginning of your statement there. I mean, the Oscars are, unless you're one of those kind of people well, that yeah, are in you're that, dealing with a they're irrelevant room anyway. Full of actors. Well, that's what I'm saying, and they're and they're irrelevant, and then now they're relevant because everybody's talking about it because of what happened, you know. And then you're wondering if it was staged or not because an actor played a good part in making it look real, in my opinion. Right, and, and I don't mean to Monday morning quarterback it, but I just think it's freaking hilarious, man. <laughs> I just, I, I can't believe that people are talking about I mean, here I'm saying this right now, but yet we're talking about it as we speak. I just, for the life of me, I, I, I can't get over how, why people care so much. It, it, it's like, it's, it's, it's a bunch of entitled, overpaid celebrities that, you know, who cares? And who? Yeah, I, I just, and like, that's why I love, and I said this on social media as well, that's why I love musicians, legitimate musicians, because all they care about is if they make good music and if the fans like it. Other than that, they could give two shits if they get a $25 trophy or not. Right, or if they know? make a, get an award or something. Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it, it just, but you know, then there's the topic of, well, should Will Smith have gotten arrested or, you know, should he have, should they have denied him his, cause you know, within minutes after that happened, he won the best actor, you know, Oscar for the year. So, and you know, while he was crying and uh, I don't know, maybe he just, you know, the, the pressure valve was relieved after bitch slapping Chris Rock and it just, you know, forced the tears out of him. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, all I know is 
I love Chris Rock. That was a light duty joke compared to you know what it could have been. I mean, I understand. I under if if Jada Pinkett Smith was say a cancer patient to where her head was shaved because she was going through chemo. Yeah, I get it. But she has alopecia, and people are sitting there are trying to treat it like it's some you know death sentence. And how dare he? It's like, dude, she's all over social media, including well, her own podcast. Well, yeah, she and she it. made it public herself about it. But I will, I will defend her in that for a woman to lose their hair, that's pretty tragic compared to like a, a man losing his hair. Like a man loses hair, he just shaves his head and he's whatever, and no one cares, you know. Whereas a woman that that in society that has to do with like part of their look, you know what I mean? Not that it really matters, but you get what I'm saying. So I can understand her being a little more upset about it, but I definitely don't think that um, as, as a man that Will Smith going up to another man who of course is smaller than he was, you know, goes up to him and then is pulls out his man card because he's upset about something that someone said to his wife. And since he's so manly, he just slaps him like a bitch. I, I don't, I don't understand that part either. Like, I don't understand how you think you're being tough when you just go up and open hand slap somebody. Like, I don't understand that. Like if I was getting in a fight with somebody and it was to that level where, you know, there's going to be fist throw, not, not, not like bitch laughing. Like that's, I don't understand that. I also don't understand how I, I guarantee I've never been to the Oscars, obviously, but I would assume they have massive amounts of security there. No security at anything. Yeah. Where were they? No other celebrities <laughs> that were there. Um, like they've, that has been talked about on numerous places already. None of them did anything. Um, police didn't press charges because they said Chris Rock didn't want to press charges. However, it was taped at a live event. So I don't know why you need Chris Rock to press charges when it's on national television at a live event that it happened. So I don't know. Let, let I mean, me correct you on that. It's on international television. Okay. You're, yeah, you're fair enough. You're right now. So I don't understand why the police don't. I mean, I understand. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't claim to be one, but I just don't understand why they didn't, couldn't do anything. Being right. They witnessed it happening. There had to be some way they could have done it. Now, as far as my opinion, as far as Will Smith, uh, winning or not winning the Oscar based on that event. I, I don't think that event should have anything to do with whether or not he won the Oscar or not. Um, that's just my opinion. Cause I think it was based on his work. Uh, you know, if you believe, I don't watch the Oscars, I could care less, but I mean, he, he already made the movie like judge him on that, not on whatever mistake he made that night. If it was actually a mistake and not a staged event. Well, in all fairness, I don't know Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't know Will Smith. I don't know Chris Rock. You know, who you never know what someone's or what's going on in someone's head or what type of emotional situation they're going through unless you're walking in their shoes. You just don't know. You know, so I I, I will give that to Will. And then plus Jada, I mean, dude, let's be honest. I mean, she can rock the bald do. I mean, she looks great. I'm just gonna put that out there. And uh Yeah, she's like, Chris, she's like Chris, Demi Moore. Like Chris, I mean, that was the joke was Demi Moore, but yeah. like well, I mean, yeah, Jim, Demi Moore he was giving was, her a compliment. Hot, you, you know? You're rocking the GI Jane, do you yeah. know? And uh, he just put a little flair on it, and you know, it was he was. I mean, that was that was nothing compared to jokes in the past, right? And, and, he's, uh, and he's razzed him before in the past, and and that that's what was funny in the, to me in the whole incident. Again, I didn't watch it because I don't watch the Oscars, but of course, I've seen the replays eight thousand times all over the social media now and everything. But I did think it was funny that he, you know, the joke was made. Will Smith, they camera, they pan the camera to Will Smith. He's laughing at the joke. He thinks it's hilarious because it was a, you know, I thought a pretty good joke um, with the whole circumstances of knowing that she came out about it herself and all that stuff. And then, like you said, it's not cancer related, stuff like that. And then he looks over at her and she is very upset about it. So she also may be a good actress. I don't know. 
Um, and then that's when he got like, oh, wait a minute. Now I got to stand up for, you know, my girl here. The whole thing just seemed weird. And, and why didn't like, and that's the other thing I don't quite believe it was real versus staged is like Chris Rock didn't react. I mean, he reacted to getting slapped, but he didn't like. Well, he did a good job of recovery. Right. You know, well, yeah, but yeah. But he was like, he was, he was he's a comedian. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But like, you didn't like if someone comes up and hits you, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting them back, you know, or I'm, or, or, and I'm definitely not going to just stand there where they just yell stuff from the audience at me at that point, like game on, like you've crossed that line now. In, in my right, opinion, but I, you know, I think I think like we we were talking about before. I think that, and I truly believe this, that okay, we can sit here and say, well, you know, Will had a lot of stuff going on or whatever, you know, he snapped. Okay, but I still think that he was in the right frame of mind to where if it was someone bigger than Chris Morock, like say like a, you know, like a Jason Momoa or or Denzel Wash, someone bigger, someone that if. That, that Will would think twice about not even thinking twice. He wouldn't do that because he would get his ass kicked, you know, but right. he did it with Chris, you know? Yeah. And, yeah that's why I don't understand. And, and so, so for him to say, if he just snapped, I don't think so because if it was someone bigger than Chris, he would have thought twice about it. But what that's did we my... come to as a society when, I mean, I get stuff happens like on the street, you know, like in public because people are fucking morons. You know, there's morons anywhere you go, right? I get that. I get it happening, like I don't know, in the middle of some street corner somewhere. Sure. This this is at a, a, a televised, internationally televised, the most prestigious award ceremony for for actors and actresses, um, and for people that I mean, the billion dollar industry, if not trillion, with all the stuff they're doing and spending money, all the stuff, and then I, I I don't understand how he was even allowed to go up to the stage. I mean, I know he's an actor and they, everybody knows who he is, but I don't understand how he's allowed to go up there. Cause like uh, one of the things I was hearing, just talking to other people and hearing different comedians, um, not Chris Rock, but other comedians that everybody knows who they are. And they were talking um, and they were saying like at other comedy shows, like regular comedy shows you go to anywhere USA, there are hecklers. And of course all that stuff goes on, but they're not allowed to rush the stage. If they rush the stage, they get dragged out of the club and, and they're not allowed to come back in. If they heckle too much, to the point where they're interrupting the show, you know, and it's not done in a funny, you know, kind of way with the comedian back and forth kind of thing. And it's taking away from the rest of the people that paid to be there. They'll grab that person, him or her, and they'll take them out of the show and they're out of there. But with this, this happened. He was allowed to just go sit down and boohoo about it. Boohoo why he bitched slapped somebody, I guess, or whatever. And then just allowed to sit there. I'm not saying he shouldn't have got the award, but I was just surprised he wasn't kicked out of the show. Like, I'm surprised they didn't move him backstage or, or whatever, get him off camera at least. Don't just, just show him that he can just go. Because now what, what, what you've set a precedence now that someone doesn't agree with somebody that's doing a, a presentation in the Oscars or whatever, and anybody can just run up there and do stuff? Like, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there. We, we talked about this before as well. Um, if it was, I don't know, say it was Mel Gibson that uh, Chris Rock was picking on, and Mel Gibson went up there and did the same thing. In my opinion, it would have been a completely different story. He would have been taken out of there in handcuffs, and uh, you know it would have become, you know, larger than life. And we, you know, we think people are talking about this a shitload right now. It would be even more so. Well, that's kind of what and, I'm saying too, because like you have Chris Rock, who's a comedian, so he's funny, and Chris Rock is a great comedian. Um, love Chris Rock. Love Will Smith too. <laughs> he, he and Will Smith is like uh, obviously a great actor. Um, uh, like kind of a 
I don't know if you want to call him a dorky rapper, but he's kind of like that. He's not like a hardcore rapper. He's kind of a fun rapper. You know what I mean? Good songs. Some of his songs are catchy, stuff like that. So you have two guys that are not like hard. They're more comedic based, I would say, with some of their stuff. And, and they're fighting each other and nothing happened to them. But like you said, if it was someone else who would who the public deems more of an aggressor, like it could have been with someone else. Yeah, but like a Mel Gibson or a Sean Penn. Right, right. Like that, you Where know, you wouldn't have thought uh, they're necessarily doing it as a comedic thing. That's why I think this whole thing, I think the whole thing was set up because I've heard that Chris Rock's um, uh, comedic tour, like his show tickets have gone up dramatically, obviously. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're obviously, he's promoting a movie and, and, and obviously Will's promoting that he just, all the stuff he just did. So I, I think it was more of a, a gimmick and it wouldn't surprise me if, Time goes on. We hear that this was a staged event. I believe a poorly staged event, but staged event nonetheless. Because like I, I just can't believe it. So I could get a ticket to the Oscars somehow, and then I could just rush the stage, and everybody just stands there and goes like, "Okay." Well, and that makes you wonder. It's like, <laughs> what is security getting paid for? Are they just yeah, what are they doing? To check, to check the door and, and yeah, check I mean, the red carpet. I mean, that all I mean, that's good. They for? check the door for obvious reasons in this society. You got to do that stuff. But you know what? You can't. I. I they have, like I said, they have people at comedy shows that will not let, or rock shows or anything. Like, try to, try to jump on stage with a band that doesn't allow you to come up there unless they're telling you to come up, right? Any band. I don't care what, who your favorite band is. So pick your favorite band and you try to get on stage. There are going to be bouncers there uh, at a club setting or at an arena setting or something, that are gonna, or event staff or whatever. They're going to be like, absolutely not. And they're going to get you out of there. And they might not get you out of the, the venue, but they're going to get you out of the harm's way of the, the people because their job is to, pre- to protect the performers. But at the biggest thing, when everyone in that room, I don't know how many people that, that place holds, but we'll say 75% of the people there are, are the actual actors and actresses, and then the other people are like the producers and stuff like that, maybe, or something like that. There's a lot of people in there that are well-off people, and, and they just let people bum-rush them, and that's totally okay. It doesn't make any sense. Totally fake, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and it, it, plus, like, like I said before, you're dealing with a whole auditorium full of actors. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah, that was, that was know, the funniest thing initially when people said that because they're like, well, I don't know if it's fake or not. If it's fake, he did a good job. And I'm like, Plus you but he's an actor. He just got an award for it, you dumb fuck. Like, <laughs> like that's And you notice job. that if something happened like that, usually they would cut to commercial. Right, and who's, who's going who's gonna, to <laughs> fake an attack on Chris Rock better? Me? We're both in the same setting. Me or Will Smith? I would hope Will Smith because he gets a fuckload truck of money, truckloads of money to, to be an actor. So I would assume he's going to be way better at pretending on something that I am. You know what I mean? So like, that's just, what I'm saying. I just, you know, you, you brought up a good point a little bit ago when you said that, uh, I think it might've been, when we were talking before the podcast, how you were saying that, uh, what was it that, uh, Will Smith was, uh, he feels maybe he's been snubbed several times now. Yeah. Cause they, from, yeah. From getting the Academy award. Yeah. They've which, said, which, they've, you know, and, I guess Chris Rock is like, um, said stuff to him in those kind of forums before I made jokes at them and made jokes of the fact that he didn't get stuff before and stuff like that. So it's been an ongoing I mean, thing, which could be them. But that doesn't give you, a, that be, doesn't give you that. I mean, we're talking about a fucking award here. That does, I mean, you're making millions of dollars. You're at the top tier of your game, right? You're at the top tier of, of, of the top paid actors on the planet. And who gives a fuck at that point? If you get a $50, $25, $50, $100, whatever that golden man costs now, who knows? I think the, the goodie bags that each of those celebrities get while they're there probably there's that's worth more money than that 
freaking trophy. Or, or the millions you get but, every time you make a movie, regardless of how it does, you get. But they're already you know, making. He's already he's already making millions of dollars. Yeah, no, you know, he's already made. He's already made. He's already topped out as one of the the top A list actors. It's like if, if he's gonna make that much of a big like what was it? I think it was 2019. I think it was yeah 2019 when he was up for, or I can't remember what the whole story was, but I think it was Jada was boycotting that year of the Oscars because um because Will got snubbed for I think it was for concussion something like yeah, that yeah yeah and uh, it's like all it's like what is wrong with you it's like you're you're gonna complain to your own clique of friends that you're pissed off it's like if anybody is gonna be I mean look at one of the best actors ever to act in films Al Pacino Look well, how many times he got snubbed when he should have won. Well, even even if it even if it's true that like she, he was getting snubbed, like I again I don't watch the Oscars, never watched the Oscars. Um, even but even if it's true that he was getting snubbed in the past, who fucking cares? Like you know, I work in real estate. Um, they give out real estate awards all the fucking time. I could care less if I ever get a real estate award or if I get one. I like I don't care. I've gotten awards. I, I don't care. Like they're not. That's not. I don't do the job to get awards. I do the job to help people you know, buy and sell their houses and stuff like that. That's what I help them do to help them go wherever they're trying to go next. Right. Same thing in medicine, paramedic. I was a paramedic. I did lots of great calls where I saved lives and, and did all this great stuff. Right. Um, how many times did I get recognized for doing so? A handful. How many years did I do it for? 20. You see what I'm saying? Like, but I don't, I didn't ever boohoo about like, well, I wish I got an award. Like, well, then when you finally do get it after boohooing a bunch of times, it, I mean, it's how is that gonna how is that gonna make you feel once you finally get it? Is it gonna be like, well, did I really deserve it, or are they giving it to me this time because I bitched so many times because I didn't get it? Well, it's like it's like in our department, we had a we had a big call in our department. Um, I was not, and I'm not trying to cut on Will. I'm just, I'm just, it's just all this 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 whole award no, shit but, for but, for actors. I'm just like this is fucking stupid. Well, like 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 you know? we had an art of fire. This is a fire department story. I'm gonna leeway into this a little bit, but we had a fire department. A horrible call. A uh, car was burning. Someone was trapped in the car. La 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 la. Right. Okay, person got burned. They got taken to the hospital. Okay, they finally got him out. During the call, the truck, the first responding truck, they were trying to put foam on the fire to put it out. You know what I mean? Right. And the operator of the truck didn't know how to correctly put foam through the system to get it to work correctly. And people are screaming on the radio for this person to do so. And you know, there was a massive delay and all this other stuff. Right? A big clusterfuck. Right? Okay. Right. When the awards come out. That whole truck crew got awards for like not knowing how to do your job. Like I, I don't understand. Like that's the kind of dumb shit where like I'm just like awards are stupid. I was like, how do you do? How do you give awards for this for a crew that didn't know what they're fucking doing correctly? And then, but then you don't get an award for someone who, you know, like I had like there was a day I was I talked to my chief about this. You know, back when I worked in the business and stuff like that, where I had a, I had a day where I did back to back, literally back to back CPRs. Okay, both CPRs were saves. Right. First one I ran, it was in our first due or whatever. Second one, I was at the hospital. I cleared the hospital. A, a, a CPR went out. They dispatched another unit. We were way closer. We jumped the call, saved that one too. And, and you know, eventually went to the hospital, blah, blah, right? Uh, and by a save, for the people that don't know, a save means we dropped them off at the hospital with the pulse. Now, what happens after that at the hospital is not, a lot of times we don't even hear about it, but that's not what we're talking about. A save is we, they were dead when we had them and they were alive when we had them at the end, Okay. So we had that. And I was talking to my chief. I was like, man, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, at the time it was, I don't remember, 15 years or whatever at the time. 
And I was like, I've never heard of anybody having back-to-back CPRs, literally legitimately back-to-back, not like two in the same day, but like legitimately back-to-back calls of CPRs and then on back-to-back saves. I'm sure it's happened before. I've never heard about that. And I told him, I said, oh, I'm 99.99 repeating percent sure at the end of the year, I won't get an award for it. I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you'll give it to some, you know, firefighter fucktard who did something stupid, like posing for a picture at the end of a fire or something, you know, like, <laughs> so that's my point is like the, the words don't mean anything in my opinion. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Sorry for my rant there. No, 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 no. I like the rants. You need to do more of that shit. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Okay. A lot of actors want to get that Academy Award, whether it's Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, whatever, so they can get to that level to where they can make that caliber of money. Right, 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 right. It's but if, you're, if, you're already, if you're already at the top tier and you're already making that much money, more money than you could ever hope to make in that line of work, why why does that award mean so much more to you? I mean, because you're making you're, you're making that type of money you can ask for that type of money, which means you're getting that type that type of box office draw, which means everybody loves you. So why the fuck do you care if you make you you, you get that award? I think it's I, mean, I think for him particularly, because he I mean, Will Smith has done a, a truckload. I mean, you just go down yes. the list of great movies, right? That everybody knows. And, and I mean, his career likes. speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, he was like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which was like the number one sitcom when you know when I was growing up and stuff like that. Um, so I think at some point though, it became a personal vendetta to him, where he he's like, you know, okay, I've made ten movies that are like box office smash hits, and then everybody's like, yeah, we don't care. He's like, okay, fuck you, I did fifteen or whatever, you know. And then he's like, they're like, fuck you, we don't care. And then finally, look how many other it. actors that's happened to. Oh, I like don't Leonardo disagree. DiCaprio. I don't disagree. I just think he. Yeah. I think for him, it was like, like you said, it, it, and obviously you and I can't directly speak about it because we're not in those shoes. But at my, where I think of myself now, if I was in that position, I wouldn't, being my lack of caring about awards in the past, I probably, I don't know if I'd really care. Like, because you're giving me gazillions of dollars to be in a movie. Like, right. you don't want to give me seems... a dumb statue that I'm just going to like put somewhere well, or my dog's going to break it or something, you know? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, say, for instance, in in the bodybuilding world, okay, where you have, and a lot of professional bodybuilders, like their main goal is they want to get on that, that Olympia stage, that Mr. Miss Olympia stage. Well, they don't have Miss Olympia anymore. I don't know why they've got, but they want to get on that Mr. Olympia stage. Okay. That's their goal. You know, whether they win or not. Okay. I get that because they just want to be able to say, I I was on that stage with the best of the best, but you also have a lot of, of like say the top five bodybuilders in the world who are usually kind of usually the top five or top three that are competing, you know, cause a lot of times the way those work is you'll have the same, you know, repeat winner for like, sometimes I think the longest running was eight, eight years, maybe nine. But anyway, it gets to a point where, and I think this, this is what came from uh, Rich Piana, I think you know, who passed away, God bless him. He said that he quit competitive bodybuilding because no matter what he did, you know, when he would lose, when he thought he was the best, he'd go and ask the judges. It's like, what, what am I not? Well, you need to do this. But what he didn't under, when he finally got it, it's like, why am I busting my ass 
to look the way this particular this particular judge wants me to look. Yeah. I need to be able to look the way I want to look or what looks good. But then it's also, you know, as you like just using bodybuilding as an example, when you look at bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding over the years, like say for instance, the golden years bodybuilding back in the seventies and part of the eighties, which, you know, like say back there in the seventies with Arnold, how different they look then compared to now when it comes to the heavyweights. Yeah. You know, now it's, it, it's all about fucking freakishness. Okay. And, um, it all depends on what the judges are looking for at that time. You know, so even if you're the best you can possibly be and you look better than any of the other people standing on that stage, it all depends on what are the judges looking for at that particular time? What have they built up in their heads? What's going to be a show winner at this particular time? Well, it's, it kind of goes into the same thing. We just, it just recently passed. We just had the, uh, the winter Olympics. And there was that whole scandal in the um, figure skating thing with the girl from Russia. I don't know her name, unfortunately. Um, but they were that whole scandal where she was caught doping. Uh, now, people can argue about, I guess there was a delay in getting the results and stuff like that. But end of the day, she was caught doping, which is illegal. Why was she allowed to compete still? And their, their thing was they did it because they didn't want her country to, like I guess, go after her or something or protect her from her country or whatever. And... Some I don't know I don't I don't understand figure skating. Man, don't well. don't even get me started on the Olympics. No, but yeah, well, the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The Olympics are, are are a lot of times I think kind of dumb with stuff too because, like you said, it's all interpretation of these judges or whatever. Um, and then but then there's just things I don't understand. Like Russia's banned from the Olympics, but they're but they're like athletes can still come into the uh, Russian Olympic Committee um, because they don't want to penalize the athletes; they want to pe- penalize the country. But you don't think that the athletes, they, they still represent the country. They just don't get to fly their flag. What? What? Yeah. You know, like, that's dumb. That's like saying America, you can't participate in the Olympics. And like, okay. And then they're like, because we were bad, whatever. And then they're like, but all you American athletes can still per- perform. And then you can obviously still, of course, win medals if, if you do so. And then when you go home, you can still say, I'm so-and-so and I want a gold medal on this. And I'm from USA. You know what I mean? That doesn't do anything. Kick them out. And I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to go on a, a Olympic rant because I don't know that much about all that stuff. But, but I just, I just thought it was like hilarious, like li- watching the figure skating because my my wife and my daughter love figure skating, um, and and so we watched it sometimes on the Olympics. And every single, obviously, we're watching American broadcasts here in America, and every single time there are legitimate figure skating like has been people that were the announcers, right? Legitimate, like they won golds and stuff like that, right? And every single one of them did a rant about it, about talking about how like this girl, like this whole thing is set up that if you do, you can't do A, B, C. If you're allowing her to do A, B, or C, and then allowing her still to perform, then fucking get rid of the rules. You know, it's kind of like the old baseball thing with, with roids when they caught everybody doing roids and stuff like that. And it ruined baseball for a while. in the, I think it was like late nineties or whatever. I don't remember, but yeah, like at some point it's like, late 90s, early 2000s. yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well it's, at some point just, fucking let everybody do roids if they want. And let's, let's do it. Cause people love home runs. People love people, you know, as a baseball thing, people love all that stuff. People love, so let people do everything. I mean, either enforce it or don't is my point. So it's either, it's either a, a black line. And if you cross it, you're out or you're punished or whatever, whatever their setup is. Right. But you can't just have a line and then just move it sometimes because you're worried that she might be treated bad by her country or whatever. That's what they were trying to explain. I didn't get it all. Um, Cause I don't know how it works in Russia. But I was like, look, I, I, I'm sorry for the girl. I'm sorry she was um, 
because she was a, a minor. She was a minor. Um, I'm sorry that you chose people to be your manager, people that let this stuff happen to you, and that's unfortunate. But it still happened to you, and you still should have to pay the price. It's, you still should not be allowed. And she won medals. She shouldn't be allowed to win medals when you, you clearly have an advantage over people that the Olympics apparently, allegedly, stand by and say that's not fair. We need, a, we need an even playing field. You know? Well, you- I think, I think uh, and this is, this is uh, I can't speak for you know, the, the most recent Olympic Games for like the past you know, four years, you know, um, winter and summer. But uh, this is my opinion, but I'm also basing this opinion on former doctors that worked for the Olympic committees and um, whatnot and how it came down to uh, – well, I think it was uh, one of the doctors that was part of the Olympic Committee, like back when, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, was it the Summer Games of 88? I think when, uh, what was a Canadian track and field runner, awesome freaking athlete who, he won the gold medal in uh, one of the events of track and field, but then they, they took it away from him because then he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And then they ended up giving it to Carl Lewis because he was a silver medalist. And, but then it came to light that Carl Lewis was on certain substances that were banned at that particular time by the Olympic committee, but it was just kind of overlooked. And that's one of the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the process that has kind of gone on. It seems like from what people that have worked for the Olympic committee and then they've talked about over the years i mean whether i'm this is just secondhand information for me so i'm just kind of repeating it i I don't know if it's true or not but um how when it comes to controlled substances you know like performance enhancing drugs or whatever that it's kind of like a pick and choose i mean there's a list of what's acceptable and what's not and there's a good amount of times where a lot of these athletes are testing positive whether it's stimulants whether it's you know whether it's steroids whether it's whatever but how is it that this person gets caught, but this person doesn't? Yeah, when they're all tested for the same shit. Well, yeah, it's because they're um, they're obviously, you know, the people on the the team that is not the one that got caught. They're you trying to use that as a way to get rid of that person. You know, as far as in the standings or whatever that that happens in every sport. You know, I mean, Lance Armstrong had it happen to him in bicycling. I mean, they busted him for all that uh, roid usage and stuff like that, and then he got you know all his stuff taken away, right? But then, then they found out all the other guys were testing for the same stuff. Of course they are. Those it, guys are biking a thousand miles a day. I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating, but they're like going up mountains on a bicycle, like it's no big thing. You you don't think there's like, and I'm not knocking them for doing it. I'm just saying, but you don't think they take stuff like no, that's not normal behavior of a man or a woman or whatever. It, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Right? I don't. I, and it's I, like, I don't... but who cares? Like that's the thing. Like I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't a biking fiend or whatever. But like, like how cool? You know, fuck it. If, if, if the new line now is you can do fucking roids or whatever. Great. Then let's see that competition because that's more realistic than trying to snub somebody, but this person didn't get caught because they use something they don't. Because here's the thing. Those drug tests, and this goes this goes to any drug test. I'm talking about workforce drug tests, all this stuff, right? They can test for all that stuff, but there's always a workaround to the system. There's always, like, back in the day when when pot wasn't legal in some of these states and stuff like that, that was a big thing. They'd catch you smoking pot at jobs, you know, they do random drug tests and, and, and they catch you doing that, you know, but there's always ways to beat the system. I had a friend of mine who her, um, her and her husband were both it guys. So they had to like, this is 
a long time ago. Okay, so this is before everybody worked at home now. But they had all, they had businesses set up out of their home, like IT businesses, right? And so I, I'm over at their house, and they're smoking weed, right? Like, and this was back when like definitely couldn't do that stuff, like like in any state, really, you know. And all of a sudden, like I was like, oh, don't you worry about like because like, they have to go to a business job, like they have to go in their office every once in a while for different things, right? And I was like, aren't you worried about like losing your job? And they're like, no, no. And 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 he had like a thing, and he showed me this thing, and I was like, what is that? And he's like, and it was like a little thing you could wear. It was basically, it was just for a guy, obviously. It was like a little dick thing you wear. And then it keeps clean urine in a little thing that you wear it on your body, you know, in your groin area. So it keeps it body temperature. And then you could just open the thing up and then it would look like it pees coming out of this little fake dick thing. But if someone's watching you, it looks like it's a dick. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, so they had so they had that, and I'm just like, holy crap! So that, and this was back in the day. This is a long time ago. This is like 20 years ago, or whatever. I'm like, so if they have that, then you don't think they have ways to like, you know, the Olympic Committee has certain substances that you know they ban, like whatever X Y Z substances. So then someone chemist guy comes up and says like, oh, they're banning X Y Z. That's a shame. Here's W does the same thing, and they hand them W, and they take that, and they you know, and they're like, oh, we busted them for X Y Z, and then this guy over here is doing the same thing, but it's called W, and it's fine in his system. Dumb. Well, a good a good documentary that people can watch that I think when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, especially anabolic steroids and you know testosterone, anything that derived from testosterone, as far as like you know your anabolic you know androgen steroid type use, it's a it's it's a documentary by the Bell Brothers. It's called Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and it was uh, I think it was filmed back in I want to say two thousand five, but um. You can you can see it on YouTube, and it's uh, or you can or on Netflix or Hulu, whatever. But it, it's it does an awesome job of kind of giving you the real deal and the breakdown of how um, these particular drugs. How one, it's in every sport. I don't give a shit what it, it could be curling to CrossFit. I don't care. It's everywhere. You know, when you're when you're competing at that level at that caliber and especially on the, you know, when it comes to any professional sport and you're also, Hey, if I don't stay at the top of my game competing with the, this, this tier of athletes, I could lose my spot or lose my contract. Yeah. Lose your money. Don't your tell, yeah. Don't tell me that they're not going to do that. I would. Yeah. But that's just me. But I mean, because it's all over the place. And if you don't, of course you're going to be, you know, unless you, you're some, you know, superhuman, you know, uh, genetic theme. You, yeah, yeah, like you're, a one in a million you're not, person. You're, yeah. you're not going to have an edge. Yeah. And, um, you know, well, that's the thing. Good. Yeah, I went cheating. comes down to raw talent. It's like, no, actually now, yeah, talent is, is one of the biggest factors. But if you don't have the physical capability to back that, that talent up, like some of these other, you know, athletes that are getting the extra edge, you're not going to last long. And that's, that's that's just the reality. And hold on, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason. But that being said, that doesn't mean that I think I have no problem with anabolics. None. I just have a problem with the way people use them, and I have a problem with how young people start using them because that's where it gets dangerous. Because if you're gonna consider using that, if you're a professional athlete, you know, no matter how old you are, that's up to you. But if you but for gym rats out there that just want to take some shit. 
you need to max out your natural potential first before you even think about using that stuff. Agreed. Because Agreed. if you don't, and everybody's chemical makeup is different, if you don't, say you want to have kids. What people don't realize, especially when it comes to anabolic steroids or heavy amounts of just pure testosterone, you know, is that once you once you go down that rabbit hole, once you start, you are going to shut down your natural whatever natural production production of testosterone you have, you're going to shut down. Yeah. And right. if you like, say you're 20, 18, 20, 22 years old, and and you, you say you've been you know you've been cycling on these drugs for years now, and then for that amount of time you've been cycling on you probably shut your shut your natural production down which means if you ever decide to go off you may or may not get that kick back up now if you're young enough yeah most likely if you take the right drugs like um like clomid you know or serum drugs like that that where you know you'll hopefully bring your natural testosterone level back up you got to look if you want to have kids that's something you have to think about because you could shut your natural production down to where you may never get it back and you'll have to be on a testosterone replacement therapy regimen for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. And is that really what you want to do at that young of age, especially if you're thinking about having a family later on because you may not be able to. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people that, that do that nowadays, especially now with technology being a little more advanced or like they're like freezing sperm and stuff like that. And that way, if they have to choose that road, they still have an option later, you know? Right. That's where I think, you know, and it's, especially men, I'm going to say, if you're thinking about having kids, because when you introduce that external testosterone into your body, like, and I'm specifically speaking to young, younger generations out there where say they have nothing wrong with their testosterone production. They're just taking the extra amount to pack on a lot of size or they're starting to, you know, compete in whatever sport they're in. Yeah. They're trying, they're um, trying to get swole. Trying to get swole. Get jacked. Ugh. But um, I pick things up, I put them down. Pretty much. <laughs> no, if they're thinking about that, they need to think about, okay, what are the repercussions going to be? Because once you go down that road, you know, the, the reverse side of things is going to catch up with you. And you need to think about that. You know, because once you start down, you may not, you may be on a certain amount of testosterone for the rest of your life externally because you may not be able to turn your natural, you know, production back on. But that, that kind of goes case by case because, like I said, everybody's body chemistry is different. Sure, but, everybody's situation is um, different, stuff like that. That's and everybody cool. reacts to these compounds. Differently, like yeah, that's why hopefully you have a, like, a real good doctor, you know, if you get to that point where you're that's becoming something you may need to do or for whatever reason, like you said, that you have a good doctor that knows about those things that can, you know, help you take care of that before it becomes an issue. Like Dude, you said. We, we started talking about Will Smith and then it transcended into performance enhancing drugs. What the hell happened? I don't know. That's, that's, that's one of Bobby's rants there. You know, he's great at segues. Dude, these rabbit holes just have forks in the road, dude. What's up? Yeah. Go either way. I know, right? But, uh, but no, that being said, I'll, I'll talk about that shit for a while. Then. Well, let's, let's get into – I know for our, um, our EMS topic this week, we, we did a, uh, a podcast, I don't know, so many episodes ago um, where we talked about, like, eerie calls, and, and it seemed like a lot of people really liked seeing a little bit behind the scenes. Um, so one of the things I thought about this week that we talked about was 
we should talk about like good calls and 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 by good calls I mean something that like where you really made a difference. Um, and uh, so let's do that. I wanted to talk. Uh, I guess do you want me to start or you want to start? I don't care. No, you can start, bro. All right. So for for my good call that I wanted to go over, um, we had a call where it went out as a uh, an illness, uh, just regular illness. I don't maybe a chest pain. I don't remember what it went out. It was just not, nothing exciting. They're bread bread and butter kind of call. And as soon as we we got there with the engine at the same time, and um, I was the only ALS provider. That was a BLS engine, and, and my partner was a, a EMT. So I was the only ALS provider on the scene. And as soon as you walk in, you're like, you know, you kind of, because you, you, you get lackadaisical in the business where it becomes like, you can, you can almost close your eyes. Like, I used to joke that I could, like, FaceTime my partner from home and get the call done because I don't need to be there because most of the things you can just kind of wing through it, you know? And so we're walking into the house, and this is why you should always not be in that mode when you get into a house. Walk in the house. The engine guys start getting down there doing their basic vital stuff. We bring in our equipment. They're doing their putting them on the monitor, all that stuff. And before he's even totally on the monitor, I'm looking at this dude. It's a white dude. He's like 40s, fit guy, you know, 6'2", like normal weight, whatever, like 200 pounds, whatever. He's, he looks fit and buff and everything. And yeah. he's, he's laying on the couch. Like, he's not feeling well, obviously. And right. we get there, and we're hooking him up. And I'm looking at him like, this guy is pale as fuck. Like, you know, he's, he's pale for a white guy. And and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, this this is real. Like, this isn't a dumb call. This isn't like someone had some little angina and freaked out too much or whatever, you know. Right. So so we hook him up, and and sure as shit, he's having the big one. Um, you know, he's he's tombstoning on the monitor and stuff like that. So I, you know, of course we are like, okay, this is a real call. Like, we need to get him on the cot, and let's, you know, all that stuff is already in the house, and we're we're getting him prepared to go. The thing. Uh, so we get him in the back of the unit. Let's get IV on him. Like I said, I'm the only else provider there. Every, he's already hooked up to the stuff. We're getting IVs. I'm starting to give him medication. Talking to him. He's totally alert and oriented. Times three, like talking to me the whole time. Um, and we're working on him. And like I've said in other podcasts, the way our uh, Life Pack 12 was set up was um, it would go automatically send a 12 lead to our um, cardiac center. Okay. Right. We had, we had a two. That was our main hospital, like our big hospital for like strokes and cardiac. It would already send it to him automatically. And then if you want to send it to, it would, no matter what, you can't turn that off. And then if you wanted to go to a different hospital, you could go in and select, no, I want it to go to hospital number three or whatever. And then it would send it to them. You know? Right. And um, so anyway, we're sitting there. I'm doing my stuff. We're getting ready to get out of there. And all of a sudden, dispatch calls on the radio, which is odd. And they're like, you know, so-and-so to medic 10. And I was like, go ahead. And they're like, hey, doctor so-and-so, doctor number five, because they use numbers. Uh, need you to call the hospital. I was like, okay. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I call the hospital. Or maybe they patched it through. I don't remember how we did. But anyway, I get a hold of the doctor very quickly. And he's like, hey, you, you, you see what you got? And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like how, how far are you? And I'm like, hey, we're, we're here. Um, I don't know, eight-minute response to the hospital. And, and I was like, my driver is going, literally exiting the back of the unit now to go to the front you know, to start driving. And he's like, okay, cool. And he's like, and you need to give this, this, this. And I'm like, yeah, I already did all that. He's like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's like, right. he's like, right on dude. And he's like, call, let me call back on, you know, let us know if anything changes, but otherwise we'll be ready for you. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, and he's like, oh, and when you get here, you're going right to cath, cath lab. And I was like, all right, cool. Fuck yeah. So we get there, we take him directly. Do not pass go, do not collect you. We go right through the ER. 
and we have a there's an escort team there with us because you have to have badges to get certain parts of the hospital, whatever. And we're whisked right through the ER and then into the cath lab, right? I think it was downstairs, if I remember correctly. So anyway, we get there. Cath lab team is there. Um, and, and we found out later they had just done another cath on somebody else. Because the cath lab team, at most, a lot of hospitals, because this is a level two center, the cath lab team doesn't have to be sitting there waiting to do anything, but they have to be able to mobilize within whatever time frame, let's say 30 minutes, right? Something like that. Um, so they can be somewhere else in the hospital or around the area, but they have to be able to get there. So, but they were already in the actual cath room because they just finished a cath which was just miraculous timing for this guy. Um, so we get in, we wheel him in, they, you know, move him over to the gurney, give him a quick report, right? And we leave the cat. Of course, we can stay in there if you want, but we, I leave the cath room because I'm going to start doing my report now. And they eventually come out and the doctor, like, finishes the cath. Um, tells me how he had a really bad, like, Widowmaker blockage that they saved him right. from. And he shows me the, you know, he's like, hey, do you want to see the, the blockage? And I was like, uh, sure. And I've seen cath labs done before, but I've never seen like what comes out of the cath lab when they, what they remove. Right. And he showed me and it was really cool. Cause it was like what I described as like, um, like refillable number two pencil leads. That's how thin it was. It was like really, right. really thin like that. For some reason in my mind, I thought it would always be thicker than that, but it wasn't. It was really thin. And he just, he's like, that was it. He's like, yeah, that was the whole thing, man. He's like, this guy had it bad. He had the Widowmaker. You literally saved this dude's life. Like, like for real, saved his life. And then we found out later after we went on the, you know, through the CAD, which is a computer aided, auto, computer automated dispatch um, system. We went through there and we got our times, and we found out that from the time the call was received and then we were dispatched, which is like they dispatched in our county within thirty seconds. So from the time of dispatch to the time we marked in the cath lab was twenty eight minutes, uh, which is phenomenal. Like by any standards, like all across the United States, you know? Um, and uh, it, was, it was just amazing. And of course, uh, didn't get an award from the fire department, obviously for that, um, but did get an award from the hospital for that. You know, but did you, uh, did, you, did you slap anybody? No, I did not. I did not, not okay. slap my teeth after <laughs> I didn't get an award. Kidding. But it was, it was just funny. It, 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 again, it just points to the irony that like something it's like that. It's just jokes, people. It's just yeah, jokes. But it's just funny. You know, it's like your, your own department doesn't recognize you for something good like that, but the hospital knows that was a big deal. Now, obviously, it all had to do with timing of like, we happened to be there when the cath lab was already there, fix, finishing up right. another, you know, so it all, it all worked out for this guy. He walked out of the hospital totally fine, found out later his dad died. Um, through, through talking to him, you know, as we were leaving and stuff, his dad had a heart attack when he was 45 and died of a Widowmaker. Right. And so we're like, oh, okay. You know, so you saw that, you know, but I mean, it's just, it was just a really cool feeling where at, at, at an EMS, you actually made a difference. And more importantly, almost, we actually got to talk to the person we made a difference with at the end. Because like I said, a lot of times we'll bring a patient in. Um, our hospital tried to do a good job about following up. We had an EMS liaison that worked right. at the hospital that their job, their only job was to follow up with patients uh, uh, regarding their outcomes on big calls, you know, stuff like that it was serious calls and then finding the units that were involved in the call and talking to that person, him or her or the crew or whatever, or the department and, and letting them know what actually happened. Cause people think like EMS, like, Oh, it's it, your job must be really hard. And, 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 you know, it's, you know, it is, but yet you have to remember, we see people for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then we leave. And then we, and then our brain clears and resets and we go on another call. You know, right. we don't get to see sometimes that, you know, sometimes you can drop someone off and they could die later. And we, but we never know about that. Um, so this was one where we actually got to see a guy go in the hospital under distress, under duress, 
get taken care of by like an you know all star like medical team. They got everything completed and done on him in 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 such a fast fashion. Like he they were done before I was done with my report. That's how fast they were in and out doing that stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was just unreal. So that was like my good call. What about you? Well, yeah, you, a lot of times you'll have calls. I mean, especially those times where you're lucky enough to where it seems like all the stars align and everything runs, you know, picture perfect almost. And uh, one call I can remember, and my my old partner that's retired now, if she's listening to this, she'll probably uh, she'll probably get a kick out of this. It's probably about close to 20 years ago. I always remember this one because it was just as far as like you were saying, Jason, as far as timing, as far as being in the right place at the right time, everything just kind of ran super smooth like that. We were, uh, it was probably, it was late in the evening or not late in the evening. It was like early evening. It was like around five in the afternoon, um, beginning of spring. And, uh, we're coming back to the station from like seven 11 or something like that. And, uh, a call goes out for a cardiac arrest. And it just happened to be in the neighborhood we were driving past at the time. I mean, go figure that. Right. I mean, literally. We were literally driving past that street when the call came out, or the end of their street. And call out for cardiac arrest, and which we were also close to the hospital at the same time, which, you know, was a doesn't get any better than that. So we get we get to the house along with fire engine and um this woman's out on her stoop and she's in crutches and she's got like a big cast on her leg and she's waving. She's like, he's in here. He's in here. So we go inside the house and, uh, the young gentleman, he was only like 42 years old and he was like slumped over on the couch, just dead. And we're like, what's going on? What happened? As, as we're starting to work him as, you know, checking for a pulse, see if he, you know, he's, he's pulseless. He's not breathing. So we start, you know, of course, you always do you immediately start cpr and you get them on the monitor and see what you got but not but while we're doing all that we're asking her it's like what happened and she goes well and to give a little bit of background on the on the gentleman apparently he was just released from george washington medical center in dc okay we're having a stint put in so and he was already on drugs such as nitro and blood thinners and whatnot but this guy decided that what his wife said, um, I was, uh, all of a sudden he started flailing or, or he just he started flailing around and I looked up and it's like, what do you mean you looked up? Basically she was going down on the guy <laughs> and, um, you know, face release from G dub. He wanted to have sex with his wife. So he decided to pop a Viagra and for listeners out there that don't know, one of the questions we ask people especially if, like say we run a chest pain call or something like that if before we give any drugs like a um a vasodilator like nitroglycerin or whatnot we ask them are you taking any medications like viagra cialis whatever yeah. you know any, any dick pills and um or vagina you know because if, like yeah because if you're on a say a you know a, a vasodilator at home and then you we give you or if you're on one of those drugs at home and then we give you another one, like we give you a, another form of a vasodilator in the rig, you know, we can, you can dump your blood pressure. You know, it can be, it can be pretty bad. So he was on, I think nitro at home as needed, which he had taken. 
And then he wanted to have sex with his wife, so he popped a Viagra. And literally, what she said, within 45 minutes, he to the he was out. Wow. I mean, they they had kind of just begun not to embarrass anybody or anything. They he was he was it, he his blood pressure had bottomed out, and he just went out. And before you know it, he went into cardiac arrest. Wow. And uh, we just happened to be right there at the right time driving by his neighborhood as the call went out to where it literally took us less than two minutes to arrive at the doorstep. So we were able to get there. We got him on the monitor. He was in, uh, he was in pulseless VTAC. So gave him his first jolt, you know, which then, uh, he, we kind of shocked him into an idioventricular rhythm, tried to pace him, pace him. Then he went back into VTAC. And then we shocked him again, and then he came back into the most perfect um, sinus rhythm. Wow. You know, and granted, I'm cutting corners by saying what else, other things that we did. Like sure, sure, drugs, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, but, we're not doing a three-hour podcast. Right. But he <laughs> he came back, you know, like I said, that's where – that's a situation that could have gone drastically different. If we weren't that close and we weren't – we didn't arrive on the scene that fast and we weren't that close to a hospital, you know, where all the stars aligned, like I said before, that could have gone drastically a different way. I mean, but that was also a situation where, yeah, that guy walked into the fire station and talked to us. Plus he also had his, you know, his, his youth on his side too. He was only 42 years old. Yeah. But, um, what a lucky guy. I just thought it was a, uh, you know, that, and that's that's another key point to to uh, for people to kind of hit on. If you are, um, if you do have cardiac problems, and say you you do take nitroglycerin as needed, you know, at home or or whatnot. Why this guy even had? I mean, he probably had Viagra um, at home before he yeah, had. Yeah, he probably had it like for PR before he went to GW to have a stint put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this guy, he literally was released on a Thursday from the hospital. And this was the following Sunday that he decided to do Papa Viagra because he wanted to have relations with his wife and he went down. Yeah. And, uh, that's what kind of, well, you know, kind of jolted me the most. Cause I'm like, damn, man, this guy was released from a, having a stint put in on a release on a Thursday. This was a Sunday. And he shouldn't have been having sex at all. No, and I'm sure point. I'm sure he was told not to. I mean, to, right. be, to be fair, I'm sure all his doctors told him not to. I'm sure they all told him uh, when he was prescribed nitro. I'm assuming he was possibly maybe on nitro beforehand. I, I, I don't know. But if he was, or maybe it was just since the surgery. But either way, I'm sure they told him like, hey, you know, while you're on nitro, it's a vasodilator. You can't take Cialis, Tadalafil, whatever. You can't take any of that stuff. Um, you know what I mean? Or Sidenafil or Tadalafil, whatever. You can't take any of the fill medicines because they're going to counteract. They're going to enhance what the other one's already doing. And, and 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 just just to protect people, I just I just used GW Hospital as an alias. He wasn't really released from that hospital because you know just to protect people. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna say what real hospital they were released from or what part of the country I was in. But um, that's that was a situation where uh, yeah, if if things. Like I said before, if, if things didn't align as well as they did, that could have had a drastically different outcome. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, just you know, just like we said with the other call too. Like, had that he was home alone. Had that guy not been able to call nine one one when he did, might not end as well. Had he called nine one one, we took him to the hospital, and for some reason the cath team couldn't get together quick enough, or he had waited too long from when the incident started to to that point. It could have ended differently too. You know, same thing. You know, and and because a lot of people don't understand that. You know, that when you go into cardiac arrest, um, you very you have debatably depending on which book you read about four to six minutes to, to get a viable rhythm back or the person's going to usually end up brain dead. So uh, even if you get a pulse back and have a, a clinical save, so to speak, um, you're saving someone into a vegetable state, um, right. which is unfortunate, but I mean, that's what happened. So like, it really does matter like which unit is closer or which unit's getting there. You know, that's why some of these, some of these places in the, in the, in the country that have, you know, an, an ambulance or a medic unit or whatever, can't get to someone's house for, 10 minutes because of just how that's set up, how their system, wherever they are is set up. I mean, that's a training video at that point. They're not saving anybody. You know? well, plus, and plus for all the young, the young medics out there that are just, you know, coming into the game or they, they haven't been in the game that long. That's a perfect example of when it comes to any cardiac situation that you're, you're running into, you know, that's why it's so important before you give, especially nitro to ask, are you taking any type of, you know, medication such as, you know, Viagra, Cialis, or, you know, there's a bunch of them out there now, like Blue Chew. You know, yeah, but they're uh, all, but I think even uh, Blue Chew and those kind of like, you know, Trojan or whatever, there's all these other meds now that are coming, like where you can just talk to a doctor on the phone and get it or whatever, not your own doctor. I think they all use the same um, main, main drugs. I think they still use Viagra, Cialis. As their well, I think, I think that what separated and this, this was always amazing to me because I always look at, say, Viagra. I'll use that as an example. Um, Viagra, I mean, Viagra started out, I mean, they, in the lab, they were they were trying to come up with new blood pressure medication. And yeah. Yeah, it was test like, trials, lo and behold, it's like, wait a minute, this is helping erectile dysfunction yeah. as they learned in the, in, the, in the test phase. So it's like, that's how it came to be what it was. Yeah, my blood pressure is <laughs> still high, but my other thing is working great. <laughs> but no and it's uh that's how I think, that's how a lot of meds are found they try to do stuff like that and they find you know i mean they find stuff while they're searching for other stuff you know well I mean? this this is like space especially viagra people for years like because viagra came out in the 90s and um it, i think it's one of the drugs that's had one of the long not now anymore now i think it's over now but it had one of the longest running patents and which is why there was never generic for it for a yeah. long time because if you look at it from a business standpoint, if I, if I was the pharmaceutical company that, you know, that, that owned Viagra, was it Pfizer? I don't know if it was Pfizer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't remember remember. Yeah. I'm not going to name it. I don't know which one it was, but from a business standpoint, I'd be like, I'd be like, hell yeah. It's like, if this is the, the, the main, before they started coming out with other ones like Cialis and whatnot. Um, yeah. yeah like, but even the those, they, on the market. Still, so they... you're, you want to corner it because if, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, keep the patent so no generics can come out and, and charge a fraction. So that's why Viagra, you know, if you, even if you had insurance, a lot of times, well, I think what it was, you were sometimes paying $20 a pill. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you get five pills for like, you know, like a 120 bucks, Yeah. you know, and it was just uh, or five pills for, you know, hundred bucks and, uh, or, or depending on how much they were charging with those, you know, 20, 25, 30 bucks a pill. But uh, so it was kind of a double-edged sword after a while because a lot of people are like, I can't afford this, but I need it. But at the same time, it's like from a 
pharmaceutical standpoint, it's like, yeah, we need to keep well, this 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 patent going because once it's over and the generics come in, I mean, they're going to be selling this stuff for like five cents a pill. Yeah, well, and I know they, whenever their date was, I don't remember the date now uh, at this point, but whenever their date was where that was supposed to be the time where it could get generics and of course it would go cheaper and possibly over the counter and they were talking about all this different stuff at the time um, that they even fought it more in court to delay it even more. They knew they weren't going to win, but whoever that, again, I don't remember the name of the company who, who did it, but they were fighting even more in court just to delay it because even though they're fighting in court, they could delay it another year or two. And in the meantime, in two more years, they're making another trillions of dollars. You know what I mean? Selling it their way they're doing it. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So that's what they were doing. But yeah, to people that are medics too, like I know in our department, we had to ask, had they done uh, Cialis or um, Viagra in the last 24 hours? You had to know that. And I learned, uh, joke, since we're kind of on the topic, uh, one of the things I learned when I was a new medic, a relatively new medic, was uh, I was doing the, you know, the normal questioning you do to a patient. Like, before you give them nitro, you ask them those questions. And, right. and then it was, a, it was a girl. So I was like, hey, I have to ask you this question, even though it's kind of stupid. Da, 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 have you, you know, taken this? And, and then I, was, I thought it was funny. You know what I mean? And then my partner was like, no, no, girls take it too. It, it, right. can, or can take it too. They don't always take it. And I was like, what? Right. And they go, yeah, I mean, guys use it for stimulation. Girls can use it for stimulation too if they're doing it for that purpose. And I was like, oh, right. I did not know that. And then you can also use it for, I want to say it's pulmonary hypertension is the other thing they use it for. Because I, I, I had a, a patient, one patient, I ran her twice, two different times in my career. Um, in my department I worked at, but twice where I ran the same girl, not for one was for chest pain and one was for something else. Um, right. But both times she had that. And then I did not give her nitroglycerin uh, for the chest pain one. I did not give her nitro. So I'm calling in the report and the person you're talking to in the communication end at the hospital is like, are you giving them, have you given them any nitro? And I was like, negative. And they're like, why aren't you giving a nitro? And then I was like, because they have pulmonary hypertension and they're on Viagra for that. Or sildenafil, sildenafil, which is the generic of an Viagra, and they're like, and then that you heard the doctor in the back room go, oh okay, <laughs> like because like, because the doctor was like, what the hell, who is this new medic? You know what I mean? Which I wasn't new right. at the time, but like they thought I was maybe new or something. And so yeah, so you do have to ask that because it does get taken for other other reasons too. And you know if it's in your system, you you can't be doing that. You know, right? And uh... and yeah, that's surprise to to a cardiac patient to leave a because I'm sure wherever the patient was, whatever hospital they were at. They were at a cardiac center who was doing stent surgery. Um, so, like, I'm sure they were told, like, hey, yeah, I know that sounds fun. In a couple of days, you'll probably feel a little better and maybe up to it, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Let your body. You just went through a traumatic. For, it, for those people who don't know, a stent is basically they take a, a you know, like a, a, a hose piece and they, they, it, it's small and they can go into the, through the arteries Small mesh like, yeah mesh thing kind of like a like a chinese finger cuff looking thing or whatever and they can go in your vein small obviously very small level and they can go into where the blockage is clear out the blockage and then they can go in and put a stent there which basically makes a hose so to speak inside your hose of your vein your artery whatever that keeps it open so it doesn't collapse that's what they do so it's a pretty invasive procedure it's easily done nowadays like it's pretty common and stuff like that but right. there still obviously could be a whole bunch of complications um, you are removing a clot. You are putting something in there. It's got, you got to make sure it sets correctly. It can't be obviously move around or else it would defeat the purpose of where they put it. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I would definitely think, uh, they told him not to do that. 
Um, there was probably a limit put on nitro for certain things too, because it does the same thing. It vasodilates and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, pro- probably wasn't following what he did, but you know, you guys were there at the right time in the right place and were able to make that not a DOA like two hours later, you know, something like right. that, which is pretty cool. No. And that's uh, like I said, that was a, <laughs> you know, that was uh, one of the first codes I've run, not the first code I'd ever run, but I mean, cause I'd been well into my career at that point, but where I'd first seen the effects of what can happen with Viagra, if you're on other vasodilating medications. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that was, and it literally like what we were always taught, like say, you know, what was it when Viagra first came out from like 45 minutes after you take it orally that it, it, it starts to take effect. Well, that's exactly what happened to this guy. Literally from what his wife said, 45 minutes to when he took the pill, he was, he was down and out for the count. Well, and that's most pills, like most oral right. digestive pills. Obviously right. it all depends on the person and the whatever, but for most people, it's going to take about 45 minutes for it to go down, go through your digestive system and then get transferred to the bloodstream through that direction. But yeah. Right. So that, yeah. And it, it's, yeah. And it's a pucker effect too. If, if you don't know that someone's on that or they didn't tell you because they're embarrassed to say they're on a dick pill or whatever. Um, you know, cause I always told people like, this I this is my line all the time when I did it. I would say to a guy, okay, I would say, or I guess to anybody, but but I would say, hey, are you on? Do you take any? Have you taken any Viagra or Cialis or their generic form in the last twenty four hours? And they would say no. Some some people knew what it was. Some people didn't. And then you'd say, okay, because I'm going to give you nitroglycerin, and, and I'm going to put it under your tongue here in just a sec. If you're lying about that other information, this could kill you. So I'm going to ask you one more time. And they would say no. And I was like, okay, cool. And I would tell him afterwards, like, hey, I'm not trying to be mean, but this is like a real thing. Like, this is not the time to be like, oh, I was just embarrassed that I take, you know what I mean? Like, no. Don't be yeah, embarrassed. it's life or death. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Th- this could possibly kill you then otherwise, you know? So, yeah, you had to like real talks with people and really gain their, get their rapport and get their trust real quick, at least for that question. <laughs> well, that goes for uh, a lot of newer medics out there that are just getting their career started. Um, even when they're giving other medications out in the field. Like I, I remember I had this kid that I was precepting. It was probably 10 years ago where it was or almost 10 years ago when we first started giving certain medications where we were able to give it nasally, like pain meds, such as like safe fentanyl, or if you were carrying ketamine or whatnot. Um, and we had, I can't remember what the call was where it was, it was, it was, some sort of call where the patient had excruciating pain and it was legit. And, uh, the kid I was pre precepting, that was a she, excuse me. She was, she was pre, I was precepting. She, uh, she's like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and give, uh, this guy, uh, you know, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna give him a hundred of fentanyl nasal because this person, you know, she couldn't get a line on him. So she was going to start him off that way. Like, okay, well, I said, why don't you start off with 50? She's like, you think? I'm like, yeah, why not start out lower just in case? You don't know what this person's hypersensitivity, plus you can't get a line. Right, you know right, I mean? right. If, yeah. if you give this person too much and you don't have a line, you're just making it harder for yourself, let alone them. Yeah. You know, and then, um, but yeah, 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 that, you, that sounds good. And then, you know, but 
and what I've noticed some younger medics where if they're not getting that, like we were talking about in a prior part podcast with, when it comes to the, the cookbook style of just, just paying attention to the recipe and they don't want to deviate. That's like, if something doesn't work, they want to move on to the next. It's like when they should really step back from it and be like, okay, you just gave this drug just because it hasn't taken effect yet. Doesn't mean you should all of a sudden go to the next drug that's stronger just because it says you can. Right. And you that, know, yeah, and that goes wait back a little to- bit and then, you know, adjust from there. Don't don't just immediately because you're not getting the immediate effect. And you know, everybody processes these compounds differently. It might take a little bit longer for somebody else. So and that's that's one thing I see. So just keep that in mind if you're if you're new in this line of work, just these drugs are powerful. So and people are gonna react to them differently. So just keep in mind that just because you've given something and you haven't seen the effect you're looking for yet doesn't mean that you're not going to get it. You know, so wait a little bit before you go to someone's, you know, something stronger because you can do and start out lower instead of starting out on the high side because it's easier to correct a lower dose than it is a higher dose. Yeah, exactly. So especially like you said, when you don't have IV access and stuff like that, you need to. Right. It's kind of like the old rule. And I, I've always used this as kind of a as a marker, and this is and a lot of people can be like, "Man, you are fucking old, man," but it's the truth. Like, and Jason, you're the same way. Well, easy, um, easy, easy. Well, well, it's it's like for instance, what I was always taught was that I am not going to give any drug unless it's absolutely necessary if I don't have IV access. You know, especially yeah. especially like for instance, we'll use just a, a first line. Uh, cardiac drugs such as nitroglycerin. Okay, say you can't get an IV, but you still want to give them nitro. It's like, are, are you sure you want to give them that nitro before you have any type of IV, IO access, whatever? Because if you give them that nitroglycerin and they have a sensitivity to it and they just a little bit bottoms out their blood pressure, how are you going to correct that if you don't have intravenous access? You're, you're going to drill them with an IO, goddammit. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you're going to have to, Yeah. but, but that's why I've always, the marker I've always used, you know, don't give a drug unless it's absolutely necessary, unless you have an IV in first. Yeah. And that, and that, that even, to well, me, that even, that's even aspirin. Well, that, that was the thing, like in our department, we had, you know, and a lot of departments are like this where they have a lot of hospitals to choose from. They're all relatively pretty close to the scenes and stuff like that. And so there were a lot of times when, you know, our protocol might say, I don't know, give up, uh, give up to three nitros and stuff like that. If I give them a nitro and their pain's going down to, let's say it was at a 10 and now it's down at a four or something like that, or maybe it's a seven or something, I might give them a second one, but I don't even get down that far in the protocol before we're pulling into the hospital. And if I'm close to the hospital, like, like it's like, I'm, you know, basically my driver's like backing in, I'm not going to give that last drug unless it's like a cardiac event, a cardiac arrest or something where you're trying to different things like that because you're at the hospital let them do it they have all the control they have 17 nurses they have doctors there they have all the meds on the planet all the machinery on the planet so sometimes you got to make that common you know common like decision there to be like okay yeah we're done you know well yeah and you have i've dealt with certain young medics that that are very good medics that that they're just they're just green when it comes to certain areas because they haven't had enough experience yet where they want to uh well, I don't like say for instance you had like a I don't know, you use an example like a bad broken femur, you know, just complete clean break where you know pa- patients in 
excruciating pain, even if you've gotten traction, whatever. And, um, you know, the medic I'm precepting is like, well, I'm going to give, uh, we'll use fentanyl as an example again, since you know, I love that shit. It works great. Um, I want to give, I want to start off with a hundred. We'll use that as an example again, a hundred mics of fentanyl. It's like, well, because it's like, why do you want to give a hundred? Why do you want to start off with hundred? Because I don't think anything lower than that's going to help this patient because they're in so much pain. It's like, well, how do you know that? You don't, you don't, this person can weigh a hundred pounds or they can weigh 300 pounds. You don't know how their body is going to react to that particular compound. So start off with the lower dose and work your way up if you have to. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That, I mean, we, we, is, yeah, we did morphine. It was 10 of morphine and, and I would never slam 10 of morphine. No, I would do five and five, like five and then evaluate, you know, five and then kind of go from there. You know, you're not, yeah, not doing 10. Well, there's that mentality where it's like, well, even if I give too much, you know, I, I can still reverse it with Narcan. It's like, well, why be counterproductive that way? Because then you're really not doing the patient any. Yeah, yeah. Then they're it's really like, they're still in pain. You've done nothing but fuck with their system. You know, for like, like basically almost tease their body at that point. You know? Right, and it's just little bits of you know, and I'm just gonna just little bits of common sense like that that I think where you just kind of just just work into your groove over time because. Uh, you know, when you're when you're newer out there, even though, even if you're a rock star, you're still in that mode a lot of times where you're just you're you're still completely going by the recipe. And if and it's hard for you to deviate from that, and you're just so tunnel visioned on that that you don't you you, you should really stop for a second. Okay, this is where the old saying "treat the patient, not the monitor." Because, like, in say, for instance, in cardiac situations, there was we, the reason why we used to say that was because so many brand new providers would be so captivated or just just enthralled with just treating what's on the monitor and said, "Well, how is the patient reacting to what you're seeing?" Like, yeah, this patient may have what you classify as something lethal on the monitor. But they're not showing any symptoms or anything. How, what are their What are they signs? What are the signs and symptoms? Yeah, don't, don't become like are a, they asymptomatic. You know what, what what's it? Yeah, don't become like a fucking urgent care. Who like we would get called to urgent right. cares all the time because they're like they're having a they're having a heart attack. That's what the it, call would be for. And you get there and I put them on the monitor. I'm like they're not having a fucking heart attack. And then right, and that, that's why algorithms are guidelines. Right, and then you'd look at their their twelve lead and and I would tell the because the patient of course they're freaking out because they're in there for you know their chest hurts a little bit and all of a sudden they're being told they're dying. And, and, and then you get there and I'm like, let me see your 12 lead. And then they show me their 12 lead that they took prior to us being called. And then I look at it and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, cause I got really good at 12 leads through my career. And I'm like, yeah, you're not having a heart attack. And I was like, let me explain to you what happened. Uh, citizen. I was like, see right here where it says you're having a heart attack. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that's the computer for whatever settings they have their thing set up. It flagged as it could be a heart attack. And to look into this right now from what we, from this machine only, not lab work, anything like that from this machine only you're, I'm telling you right now what I'm seeing, you're not having a heart attack. However, safest thing to do, go to the hospital, let them draw blood, check your troponin level, stuff like that. That stuff they can do down the road. It's probably a good idea to get it checked out. But when, when we're free, when you see me and my partner who have like, you know, 40, 50 years of experience between the two of us, when we start freaking out, that's when you can freak out. But when we're talking to you like this, you're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> right, because that's that's where 
and that's where it really kind of that's where experience and just just road time is just going to be your best friend and and you know you even though you know what you're doing like when i was young i i'm i knew when i was young i knew what i was doing i knew my shit back and forth but i didn't have that experience under my belt to maybe step back a little bit and be like hold on let me think about this for a second you know i know i can but that doesn't mean that i should you know and um well, when, especially when it comes to certain dosages or certain you know certain treatments it's it's like we're Talking about before, treat the patient, not the monitor. Well, it's like you, know, I, you could have some. You could have someone that's in like a, you know, a classic second degree heart block, which can be lethal. But are they symptomatic? Or are they asymptomatic? How are they holding it? That's going to decide how you're going to treat the patient, not what you're seeing on the monitor. Yeah, not what the book report tells you to do. The little flip guy. Right. Yeah. No, it's like it's like I was I went to the hospital when I was working on the ambulance because my back locked up because I had sciatica and stuff, and um my back had locked up and they gave me eventually in the yard ER and stuff they're going through. And I was like, I mean, 15 on a 10 scale for pain. It was fucking horrible. Um, but they gave me Dilaudid, right? I am. Right. That's what they gave me and, and Valley and the stuff orally, but Dilaudid. And so anyway, I'm sitting there excruciating pain, like in the fetal position on the hospital gurney. They all know I'm a medic. They all know. They, first of all, they all know who I am because I come in there fucking 14 times a day. But second of all, I came in on the ambulance and whatever. Um, so I didn't come on the ambulance. I transported a patient on the ambulance and then they came in and got me because I locked up in the back of the unit. But anyway, so we're getting there and I'm talking to the nurse, you know, and they're pushing the stuff and they leave or they talk to me and I'm like, Hey, how long is this supposed to, supposed to take? Cause I'm like excruciating pain. And they're like, oh, about 15 minutes. And I was like, okay. And then I just like quiet, just like grunting cause I'm in pain, but I'm not being, not making a scene or anything like that. And so they come back in in like 15 minutes or so. Right. And they're like, how you doing, man? I was like, good. I'm fine. And they're like, are you still hurting? And I was like, oh yeah, it still sucks. Fucking sucks. And like, they're like, I was like, how long has it been? It's like, they're like, it's been 15 minutes. And I was like, or they said, it's been 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, okay. But you said it's going to kick in soon? And they're like, yeah. Okay. That, then they left again. Like, I'll be back to check on you. Because of course they have other patients to check on. And no, right. nothing I was having was life-threatening for sure. So then right. they come back in 25 minutes later. And they're like, how you doing? I'm like, woo, I am fine. You know what I mean? I'm like jumping out of the bed and stuff like that. So for me, it was supposed to take 15 minutes, but for my body chemistry, whatever, and I've never taken Dilaudid ever since then, even that was the first time I ever taken it for me. It took that I am injection took that long for it to affect me. It took about 25 minutes, not 15. Right. So that's something where if you were pushing Dilaudid, if you were in a medic unit and you're giving me Dilaudid for that kind of thing. And then you gave me the dose of Dilaudid, which was, you know, I believe it was, I believe they gave me two. I'm pretty sure. And then you gave me two of Dilaudid. And then you come back in and it's been 15 minutes and I'm still like, Oh God, it sucks. My femur's broken or whatever. Right. And you push two more Dilaudid. And then at 25 minutes, all of a sudden four of the double the dose hits me. I'm fucking snowed on your cot. <laughs> you know, like now, right. now you have a respiratory issue you have to deal with when before you just had to wait because it hadn't affected my body yet. You know what I mean? And that's like what you were saying. Like sometimes you give people morphine. They, I've given, well, like I said, we didn't get fentanyl. We gave morphine. Um, but I've given people morphine and they doesn't do much for them or it takes a little bit of the edge off. I've had other people where it, like, they're like, Whoa, you know, and it, but, it, but again, it might happen instantaneously cause we're doing IV push or it might happen in a few minutes. You just don't know. And you just have to watch the patient, watch their vital signs, watch them, talk to them, obviously through the whole thing and, and gauge it that way, you know, but I'm definitely not pushing another dose of morphine. Like I, until I give that first dose of morphine enough time to go through their system. You know what I mean? 
let it let it do its thing, and then then we can add to it if we need to. If it's not really touching it, or yeah, I took it from a ten to a nine. Okay, well then we need to give more, you know. And obviously they're being legit with their answers, and but yeah. So um, yeah, so that was the uh, I think our good call uh, session of the day. There, it's kind of hope everybody enjoyed like um, being able to see kind of behind the scenes a little bit more with us um, because I know the Erie calls got a lot of good. Um, uh, stuff from you guys, like a lot of you guys are listening. I like that episode. I think it's like our third favorite one so far, or something like that. So I hope we should have the uh, we should have a eerie calls edition. We should make that like our Halloween edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we um, can talk about more because I mean, I talked about one call. You talked about one call. You know, I've done it for twenty years. You did it for continuing. Like, what are you on twenty eight now? I think so. Um, yeah, we definitely have way more stuff in the toolbox to pull out for those kind of calls. So we'll go into those more. And like we talked about before, if there's something you want us to talk about in the future, or maybe you're a new medic, or you think about getting in the business, or something you're confused about, or you want to hear like the inside scoop, if you're just a uh, just normal civilian person, you know what goes on in the back, what does this, what you know, da da da, all stuff. Shoot us an email at paramedicsunscripted at gmail.com. Again, that's paramedicsunscripted at gmail.com. Check the notes of this. Um, you'll see all the stuff. Where if you want to support the show in many different ways with a sticker or buying a coffee mug. All those things come with free shipping right to your door, included in the price. Um, that also greatly helps us out to continue doing the show because um, obviously it costs a lot of money to get all the equipment and get better and better sound equipment as we get bigger and bigger with this. Um, we appreciate all of you for listening again. And uh, Bobby, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, I mean, just one thing, uh, getting back to what you were saying about, uh, yeah, definitely – get in touch with, especially if you have, uh, especially if you live in another country and um, you have a different way of doing things or slightly different way of doing things. We would love to hear about your experiences. That would be pretty, pretty sweet. You know, if I do say myself, yeah, say so myself, plus, uh, you know, or if you want to come on here as a guest, that'd be great too. Just uh, especially, you know, the way different practices, you know, are done in different parts of the world that would be that would be awesome to, to hear about those experiences yeah because uh, the healthcare systems around the world are can, can be can be completely different you know yeah so. and i i definitely i want to give a shout out to our uh um ukrainian rescue services uh brothers and sisters out there that are having a tough time right now you know um god bless you wish you the best and uh yeah you know what i'm saying I hear you, brother. Well, let's get out of here then. Uh, season two, episode number seven is in the books. And without further ado, we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted. Unscripted.